0: church. Quite an intro. You know, uh, well, today we're beginning a brand new series and uh, I think it's going to go three weeks, maybe four on this topic. And I'm very excited about it because this whole topic in the last few years has had a huge impact on my life. And uh, we're going to be talking about vengeance and uh, how how it works and how it happens in our lives and and the whole point of this is is how do we manage how do we deal with pain in our lives and uh, you know it's it's in every one of us you know but before I started uh, thinking about this this series and when we begin and before we go to the whole idea of vengeance I, I thought we'd kind of zero in on pain and all of us understand it I, I as in preparation for this this lesson today. I went to the internet and I looked for the top 10 most painful videos. You ever done that? It's intense. And, and I came across this one. It's it's pretty old. This was, you know, I was looking for ones like, you know, the kid on the skateboard, you know, and, and he's on the rail and just, you know, and, 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 and. Just pain. You just feel the pain through the screen. And, and you, know, I, or, you know, looking for the one with the guy on the bike and he just nails the tree, you know. And so this was like number 10. And it goes from 10 to 1. OK, and th- this is the video of Joe Theismann. You know, back in the 90s, no, I think it was in the 80s this happened. Uh, it, It is the NFL's most shocking video of all time. I remember the exact place where I was when it happened. I was in my dorm room and the guys next door were watching Monday night football and they screamed about four or five guys in the next room over. They screamed and I'm like, what happened? And they screamed like bloody murder and they're screaming. Ah. And so I jump out, you know, the room and I go over and then I'm watching the video and then, you know, it goes and they show it. And then all of us again, there was about 10 of us there and we're all, ah, you know. And you just felt pain. And and this is one of the most intense videos. So, So let's let's watch it. Just kidding. Some of you are like, oh, I want to watch it. Yeah, let's watch it. No, we're not going to watch it. You watch it when you go home. But they showed this, they showed this video. Once you see it, you will never forget it. Uh, and, you know, I saw a couple of them, you know, as I was watching. And it got like to ten, nine. And they had this guy who was jumping off the, it was a wrestler, you know, and he's jumping off the third rope. And, and he jumps on to the, this guy and he misses the guy and he falls and his, his leg breaks right here. Clearly, like his another knee, another knee appeared, you know, and just broke. You know, I I couldn't watch anymore. I had to stop. I said, "No more, no más," because it was so intense. But you know, as we're talking about physical pain, and and you know, you can get into these discussions. You know, when you're sharing your story and then somebody else, you know, like the campfire stories, you know, oh, yeah, I remember when I got hurt and the one-upsmanship, you know, where, you know, this is what happened to me and this is what, you know, we, we go there with physical pain. But when we talk about emotional pain, it's a whole different story. And, and we go to a different, different, a different place and, and physical versus emotional Physical pain makes a great story. Emotional pain, not always. There's people that will not talk about their emotional pain. There's other people, they can't stop talking about their emotional pain. You know, you get them started on their emotional pain, and you're going to be there a while. Because they're constantly talking about their their emotional pain. And, you know, for many of us... uh, This whole idea of of pain, when it comes to emotional pain, it's a whole different story for people. And all of us in a group this size, in a room this size, hurt is here. Hurt is right here. And it comes in different categories as you think about it. And Jesus said it in this way, John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, I've told you these things. So that in me you may have peace. But in this world, you're going to have trouble. Or in other words, you're going to have pain. But take heart. I have overcome this world. Or for what we're going to talk about, I have overcome pain in a good way. I have dealt with emotional pain. I have dealt with the hurt that happens here in this life, and I've overcome it. It doesn't have a hold on me. And so this is what we're going to be looking at. You know, it's one thing to know about you and me, and and this is one thing that I know about you for sure today. I, I know this about you. You've got hurt somewhere in your past. And I've got it. We've all got it. And... You know, it's it's either way, way in your past or it's happening right now. Maybe you've got stuff going on right now in your life. Turbulence, pain that's happening. Or for some of us who are younger, it's coming. It's right around the corner. And that's not a prophecy. You know, I'm not wishing bad on anybody. It's just life. Life, this is out pain in a very severe way. And, you know, just like in, in, in physical pain, there's different levels of pain, emotional pain. You know, there's, there's the mild hurt. And mild hurt is, you know, maybe for some of the, the, the family people here today, you know, you, you got in a fight with your wife yesterday. She said something that hurt you. Maybe it wasn't a fight; it was an argument, and she said something, "Mm," and it got you, and you, you know, you you feel that you're still feeling that hurt today. Or maybe it was this morning on the way out from church. You know, get ready. You know, ta da ta da, and you're still feeling. And vice versa. Maybe for the wives. Maybe for the children. Maybe something that happened over the weekend. That that would be in the mild category. Moderate pain. Something that's happened in your life or going on in your life right now or recently where you felt a deep wound from a friend or a loved one where they did something terrible. You know, maybe maybe more on the severe end. Maybe you're you're in a relationship where there's been infidelity. That's more severe pain. Maybe you're feeling deep a deep sense of betrayal and hurt. Maybe maybe when you were young, your dad left you and left your family and you no longer have that relationship. That's pain. And one of the things that you know we got to talk about that oftentimes gets overlooked, but it's so prevalent. I hate to talk about it, but it's so prevalent in our society and that is abuse. Abuse. You've been violated. Someone in your past, there's a terrible, terrible nightmare story. It's left you wounded. And you know, for, for, for many of us today, you know, this whole this idea, and I'm gonna need some, some help in the back uh, with the, the slideshow, but you ever been to the doctor or, or the hospital? And they hand you a card and they say, hey, what kind of pain are you feeling? You know, it's usually like the nurse and she says, describe to me. And they have the faces, you know, you got no hurt at all. I feel fine. I feel great. You're there for a checkup. But maybe, maybe it hurts a little bit. It hurts more. Or maybe on the far end of number 10, the worst pain imaginable. You know, there are people that I've worked with who watched A loved one murdered right in front of them. And they're still mourning that sadness, that pain. Sometimes life can be really, really hard. Where do you go with all that pain? What do you do with all that pain? And even in a church environment, you know, we we don't necessarily like to go there, but we need to go there. And if you're, you're a guest here today, I'm really glad you're here. This may be a little uncomfortable for you, but trust me, you are going to need what we're going to talk about today. It'll make all the difference in your relationships from here to the future. And God knows you need it. And that's why he's given you the answers. Hurt, you know, and, and for a lot of us, it's, it's something that it's hard to mention, but it's extremely, extremely prevalent. Why this series on vengeance? You know, about two years ago, I I did a series on forgiveness. And that's kind of eventually, so you know the end of the story. That's where we're going with this. But a few years ago, I realized that I wasn't processing pain right. Me. I had some hurt in my life. Deep wounds from close people. And deep wounds in a church environment, you go, man, this shouldn't be happening here. This shouldn't happen to me. This shouldn't be going on here, right? We should be safe here or in a family environment where you got mom and dad. You think, hey, this shouldn't be happening here. These are supposed to be people that love me, that care for me, that are there to protect me. This shouldn't be happening. Let me tell you, let me wake you up. Pain, hurt is real and it's a part of all of our lives. And I realized this, that I wasn't processing pain well. And as the more I started to talk about it, guess what? People around me, it came out. They're not processing pain well either. And then it became this need where, you know, it was so obvious. We've got to talk about this, not just once, twice, three times in a series. We may have to talk about this every year. I remember I did the same series from the previous year, two years ago. I did the same exact lessons last year. This is different. But last year, I did the same exact lesson. A brother came up to me and said, Wow, that was one of the best lessons I've ever heard. I said, You've already heard it. You heard it last year, I'm sure, because I knew you were here. And he goes, "I, I, I don't remember. What made it significant? Obviously, something that happened in his life that year. So we've made it a a, a part of our regular diet here in the Lighthouse Church that we're going to talk about forgiveness every year about this time. Because we need it. It's such a a huge need in, in, in our lives. It's such a need in my life. And even though I talked about it, I know about it, I've researched it. There's stuff that keeps getting resurfaced year after year in different ways. At the core of my need and at the core of most people's need when it comes to hurt is forgiveness. Here are the questions. Do I have it? Do you have it? Do you give it? Are you freely giving it? And do you feel it? Do you feel it in your life? Is it a part of you? And this is huge. This makes or breaks relationships. Relationships. And each year through this time, we talk about forgiveness because it's such a great need. Now, here's the question of getting into vengeance, getting into vengeance. This is kind of like the title question for our series. Are you aware of your subtle ways of taking vengeance? Are you aware of your subtle ways of taking revenge on people? Do you realize it? Let me get open with you. In preparation for this this series, I realized my subtle ways of taking vengeance. A couple years ago, how was I processing pain? When people hurt me, guess what I did? Pull back. You know, you pull away from those people. You say, well, you're, you're the minister. You're not supposed to do that. Hey, it's in all of us. And that's how I would take a subtle vengeance on people. I'd say... Hey, you know what? I'm gonna back off a little bit. I'm gonna give you I'm gonna put you in the silent room. You know, maybe in the cry room this afternoon. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you back there. You can watch it on video and we'll close the doors. That's what I would do with people. You know what else is even uglier? In my household, I would subtly do this with my wife, sometimes with my kids. You know how you give a short answer? Somebody asks you a question. Usually your wife wants a little bit longer explanation, a longer answer. You know what I would do? I'd go, yep. Nope. And it had a little little, little sharp end. Yep. And it was a very subtle message of, I'm taking revenge. You hurt me? Yep. There you go. Yes, no answers. I hope I'm not the only one in this category. Put myself out there. But I know you. I know you. You've got your stuff also. Some of you just don't talk to people at all. You, you cut them off. There's people in your past that you haven't talked to in a long time family members, blood relatives. He so, said, well, if I talk to him, it's going to get ugly. So do you think by the fact that you're not talking to them, that's not ugly? Are you aware of your subtle ways of taking revenge on people? Honest question. Huge question. That's, the, that's kind of the, the big question. What is vengeance? Here's the, here's the dictionary uh, definition. It's the infliction of pain on another in return for hurt. For a hurt or a wrong. Or the, you know, the, the street level definition. What I enjoy doing to people who hurt me. You know, you wouldn't say I get a thrill out of it, but there's a certain amount of, you know, take that. Here you go. And, and you feel a little enjoyment in that. Payback. Someone has to pay. You hurt me. Somebody's got to pay. And so here, here you go. Here's what you get. And that's vengeance. And for me, you know, this feeling of vengeance was always categorized as something bad. No, vengeance is bad. But I want to redefine it for you today. Vengeance is a good thing. Whoa. How is that possible? Because vengeance, vengeance is telling you that something was done to you that was wrong. When you feel that desire that you want to take vengeance or you want exact vengeance or you feel mm, that desire in you like. Mm, you know what that's telling you? Someone did wrong. Something's wrong. And it was done to you or it was done to somebody you love and you want payback. Somebody's got to pay. That desire in you is a good thing. Because what that is, that's a thumbprint of God in your. What it's saying is you have a conscience, you have a moral system. You may not, not know a whole lot about the Bible, but there's something in you. It's the thumbprint of God that says something is wrong here. Someone did something that to me that was wrong and they must pay. Someone must pay. Where do you get that? That shows you have a moral system that shows you have a right and wrong morality in your life. And you may not consider yourself a very religious person, a very spiritual person. But the very fact that you have that desire and that emotion for revenge is an indicator that God puts something in you that can measure out what's right and wrong. Now, here's the key. The desire is a good thing because that shows you've got a part of God in you. But what you do with it is huge. Where you go with that desire. The actual act of vengeance can be a terrible, terrible thing. The feeling, the desire is the thumbprint of God that something is wrong and someone's got to pay. But what you do with it is Everything. You know, and our God, He's a God of goodness, kindness, mercy, all-powerful, of justice. He also reveals Himself, and we're going to see it in a passage today, as a God of vengeance. When something is done wrong, and something that has wronged somebody, they have to pay. That's God. He's not going to let people off the hook without someone paying for the wrong. That's 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 who God is. But what we do with this desire, what God did as an example for us, as a model for us, is huge. Because too often when we take an exact vengeance, it does a terrible thing to our lives. We're going to look at a couple of passages. These are kind of our title passages in the book of Romans. Romans was written by the Apostle Paul, he was one of the followers of Jesus came after more than or close to half of the New Testament is written by the Apostle Paul. And most of his letters are written to cities like Los Angeles. If Los Angeles would have been in, you know, the, the Palestine at that time, he would have written in a letter said instead of Romans, it would have been Los Angeles. And it was people just like you and me living in a city who heard about Jesus came to believe in Jesus, started looking at his teaching and came to faith in Jesus to the point where we decide, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be his student and I want to be his disciple. And so Paul would keep in contact with these churches like Rome and they would write him letters of needs. Hey, we have a need in our church. Guess what one of the primary needs in the church was? Relationships. People wanted input and teaching on relationships. And guess what kind of things go on in relationships? Hurt, pain, and what to do with that. And you know, if you want to know what life is all about, what life basically boils down to, relationships. Relationships matter. You know, you can say, well, they don't really matter. I'll pick and choose what relationships I'll push this relationship aside. Let me tell you, if you don't cultivate and work on relationships, your life is going to be a fraction of what it was meant to be. Too many people today decide that my life is not going to be defined by relationships. My life is going to be defined by what stuff. It's going to be defined by my career. It's going to be defined by money and my my all my possessions What status I have. That's a shell of a life. God created us with a need for relationships. But you and I need a lot of help in those relationships. How to manage pain when someone hurts us. And it has to do with your relationship with God. Has to do with your relationship with your family. Has to do with your relationship with your spouse if you have one. Has to do with your relationships with your friends has to do with coworkers or classmates those kinds of people how do you manage the pain in those relationships and so we're going to look at Romans this is how he starts out in this teaching this specific Romans 12 is probably one of the best chapters in the Bible as far as teaching on relationships i love this chapter but look what he says here Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. What kind of expectation is Paul saying there is for followers of Jesus as far as our relationships? How close should they be? Is there a closer relationship than brotherly relationships? No, that's, that's family, blood, that's tight. Now, whatever's happened that's kind of messed you up in that. But by definition, those are the closest relationships. And so what Paul is saying is these should be the close. What what kind of relationships we should have in here is the closest relationships. But any time you get that close to somebody, guess what happens? Hurt. Guarantee it. And some people don't get married for that very reason. They're never going to get married because they experienced hurt one time and they don't want to have it again. That's why the, the singles population is growing and, and, and just skyrocketing through the roof. People are deciding, I got divorced. I never want to have that type of relationship. So they always push back. And this is our world today. People are living a shell of a life, a half life, because they don't want to deal with pain In other words, they've never been educated on how to manage and deal with pain. And here's God saying, I've got the answers. Instead of taking vengeance and pushing back from relationships and not investing in relationships, instead of pushing away from people, maybe we should learn how to manage pain. Maybe we should learn a different way instead of pushing back To engage. And we're going to talk about that a lot in this series. So I hope you're going to be here for the full package. Because it's really going to help you. And then he goes on to say, Honor one another above yourselves. And he goes on to share a lot. But here's what we're going to key in on, verse 17. And this is in the New American Standard Bible, this version. Very similar to the New uh, International Version. But it says, Listen, never pay back evil to anyone. In other words, what? Don't take revenge. The desire is normal and it's actually an indicator. It's a good thing. But what, what Paul's saying here is don't take revenge. Don't do it. Because if you do, what happens? What happens when you take revenge? You become like the offender. Because if someone did evil to you, guess what you have to do if you're going to pay them back? Guess what you have to do? Evil in return. Paul's saying, don't do that. This defined the church in the first century. This is what made Christianity, this is what made following Jesus so attractive to people in the first century. They looked at the followers of Jesus and they said, they're amazing because they don't pay back evil for evil. They receive evil, but they pay back good. And guess why? Because of the teachings of Jesus and the teachings of the apostles. And here it is right in front of you. Never pay back evil for evil to who? Anyone. Even a stranger. This is the difference between somebody who says they're a Christian and the person who lives it out. They look at this and they go, I'm not going to do it. I feel it. I want to do it, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to manage my pain differently. I'm going a different direction than revenge. And then he goes on in verse 19. Never take your own revenge. Your version. What's your version? Silence. Cutting remarks. Remarks. Talking bad about them around their back. Trashing their reputation. Those are subtle ways of doing what? Revenge. Of getting back at the person. And you know your heart. You know with what intent. Oh, well, I was just letting other people know about that person because so they don't need to get hurt. Now, basically what you're doing is you're justifying a malicious attack. See, we've got to be honest. And look what he else he says. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but do what? Leave room. Leave room for the wrath of God. In other words, who's going to have the last say in everything? Who will be the ultimate judge? God will. And when you and I take revenge, guess what we do? We either overdo it and it changes who we are. It will change you forever when you take revenge. You won't be the same person. But it says here, leave room. What's that mean? Leave some space. In other words, don't dive into that emotion, that that feeling of I want to take revenge. Don't jump right in. Give some space for who? For God. That means you don't have to make sure there's justice. Who's going to make sure there's justice? God is. He's going to make sure that there's justice. And, and, and it's very important. If you're, if you're going to do the right thing with, when it comes to that desire for revenge and vengeance, it's very important for you to pull back and say, you know what? I'm going to let God reign in this situation. I'm going to leave room for him to work because he's going to bring things full circle. And you ever watched it happen? The old Adol's phrase, what goes around comes around. Oh, we love that one, especially when it goes around and comes around to him or her. Right. We love it. Yeah. See, you had it coming. God is just. And the offender, we love to see them in pain. But what about when they don't? What about when it doesn't come around? And you know, one of the things that I've noticed over the years as time goes on, you go, man, I'm sure glad I didn't act on that pain. Because I'd have regretted it. I'm sure, I'm sure glad that I left room for God because if I'd have acted on that, if I'd have said what I felt, if I'd have, if I'd have lashed out, if I'd have exacted vengeance on him, on her, it would have been ugly. And I'm so glad I waited because God has made all the difference. And that's what, that's what Paul is saying here is, is leave, yourself, leave yourself some room in between. Here's some of the ways. Are you aware of the subtle ways of taking revenge? Here are some of them, as I described before. withdrawal, Pulling back. I'm going to put you on timeout. In fact, I got this remote control. I'm going to put you on mute. What did you say something? Because I didn't hear it. In fact, I don't hear you. In fact, you and I, we're not going to talk anymore. And they can send you a text message. They can make a a phone call. There's a deliberate attempt to say no. And I got to confess, this is something that I was guilty of. And on occasion, I am guilty of. But because of this teaching, I'm, I'm being aware and I'm going, no more, no more. I don't want to be that kind of person, even if it's subtle. Here's another one. You know, this is for the, the, the really sharp people. This is for the intelligent people. You've always got to come back, right? Somebody says something cutting to you. You can always come back with something even better because you're sharp. And so, yeah, you make people you put them down, you make them small. Let me let me let me drop you, you know, a couple of scales and embarrass you in front of other people. A great comeback. Belittling is a way of, a, of exacting vengeance. Another one is holding a grudge. Holding a grudge, meaning we're not speaking. In fact, I'm going to hold on to this. I'm going I'm to hold on to this anger towards you. I'm going to have it right here, right here. Anytime I see you, I get that feeling. And you just you walk in the room. And you just watch them walk in the room. And they just glaring look. And just, it just burns. And if you had laser eyes, you'd burn right through them. You'd set them on fire. If it were a science fiction movie. That's how, that's a, how strong that grudge is. Have you got it? Where are you at in all of this? Let's be honest. Are you exacting? Taking revenge on people. And then there's the fourth one. These are the good people. These are the Christian people. Okay? You're the good person. You don't do any of this other stuff. You suppress it. Right? uh, Oh, I'm not going to... No, I'm just... I'm going to let God... I'm going to let God deal with it. God's going to deal with it. Right? And we're ultra spiritual and we're ultra good. And but guess what you're doing? You're you're not managing it. You're not dealing with it. You're suppressing it. And guess what happens? It comes out. And you don't get mad at the person that you're angry with. Guess who you get mad at? People that you love. You come home from work and you're mad at your boss. You're mad at the people at work. You're mad at the people at school. And guess who you take it out on? You're people that you love. You suppress it, but it finds its way out. And you're angry all the time. You're edgy. And all you need, you've just got a hair trigger. You know, they get near you, and boom, the gun goes off. Watch out. And that is the danger of suppressing hurt. And it's a subtle form of revenge. Going back here, the Bible says never take your own revenge. Don't do it. Leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. Whose place is it to take revenge? Now, I don't have time to go into this. This is probably like a 10-week series on on God's wrath and God's vengeance. We don't have time in, you know, five or ten minutes to, to deal with this. But let me break it down for you. Instead of God exacting vengeance on us for the things that we've done, that we've hurt other people, because guess what? All of us, all of us, you know what's most acute in your life? Pain that's been done to you. But you know what you're out of touch with? You know what you're completely checked out with? How you have hurt other people and how you have hurt God. What did God do with The hurt that you caused him. In comes Jesus. All those terrible things that you've said and done to other people. Maybe you're the offender. What did God do with that? In comes Jesus. Jesus raises his hand and says, I'll take the blame. All the vengeance that you're going to take out on this group of people. I'll take it. Take it out on me. That's powerful. That is the gospel. That is the great news. God is a God of vengeance. God is a God of wrath. But what he did with it is is incredible. Because instead of exacting it on you, in comes his son and says, I'll take the blame. And so where do we need to go when we have pain? The same place that God did. And that's what we're going to be talking about the next few weeks. It is mine. And see, it's, it's a good thing for God to take his place. Why would God say this? Because he's the God of everything that is right and wrong. He's the ultimate judge. He knows how much, how little. He knows exactly what a person deserves. Guess what? He knows exactly when there needs to be mercy applied. You and I don't. We're not good judges. You ever ever done it? You ever exacted a punishment? Me as a minister, me as a parent. You know, there's been times where I go, man, I I was just too hard right there. Way too hard. That wasn't good. then I feel, God, can you please have mercy on me? Because I didn't do a good job managing this. And that's why we need to let God be the judge. Because he's the best judge. Why why does he say this? See, God can handle vengeance. He's in a better place to handle vengeance than you and I. And you know one thing I know about you and me? We, we, We don't manage. We can't handle vengeance. We don't it doesn't do us any good, because guess what happens when you take revenge? A part of you dies. Anytime you hear of somebody and you, we love it in the movies, right? The Punisher, especially the guys. Any of the guys here that's seen the Punisher? Oh, we love that movie, man! I just yes, punish them, blow them up, set them on fire. You know, stretch the guy's arms out and put a put a, uh, you know, a hand grenade in his hand and say, hold this. And then he walks out and, there's, and then the guy, boom, and everything blows up. We love that. Right. As guys. And they come out with multiple movies, Batman. It's all about revenge. It's all about vengeance. We love those movies. Let me tell you, if you're the Punisher you're the one who takes vengeance, you don't walk away the same person after you do it. A part of you dies. People that take an exact vengeance on anyone are changed. You'll never love the same way again. You'll never experience relationships the same way again. It changes you. See, but God can handle it. And he has handled it through Jesus. See, because he didn't want to change. He is and how he is. And he wanted to remain capable and and, and wide open to great relationships with us. And so I want to encourage you this, this week to start thinking about your relationships. What's the difference? What's the difference? Here it is. Instead of the subtle ways of taking revenge, guess what? Instead of withdrawing, what should you do? Engage. That means don't pull back. That means talk to the person. Engage. Work it out. If you need help with with getting someone else involved, then do that. But don't pull out. Don't pull away. Engage. And it's one of the most therapeutic things is when you've got differences with people, what, what, what do they tell you to do? Reconcile with them as much as it. And it's one of the verses that we looked at later on in the verse. Paul says, as much as it has to do with you. Live at peace with all men. Engage. And instead of, you know, the intelligent, sharp people belittling, what should you do? Be humble. What does God promise that he's going to do with the humble people? They'll be elevated. They'll be built up. You're going to be the winner. It may appear that you're the loser, that you were insulted, you were hurt. But if you're humble, instead of belittling others, you will be elevated in the long run. Many times people come back to you and say, hey, you know, I did wrong by you. And because you were humble, I'm coming to you and I'm apologizing. I'm sorry for the way that I. And then what should you do when you hold a grudge? Let it go. Let it go. How do I let it go? I'm not a fan of letting it go. That means I've got to let, let go of control of this anger that I have. I'd much rather control it myself and, and wield it where I want. Trust me, when you hold on to a grudge, it will affect all of your relationships. No, 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 but I just have it towards this person. Trust me, it affects all of your relationships. Anger and grudges aren't this thing where you can just kind of, you know, channel it here, channel it there. It affects you and it affects your ability to be close and relate to other people. That's why it's important for all of us to have great relationships with as many people as possible and never let things get clogged up. Let it go. It's not worth it. And we're going to see a video in a minute about that. You know, the ones that the good people that suppress. You know, the Miss Goody Two-Shoes or the Mr. Goody Two-Shoes that suppress. Instead of suppress, process. What does that mean? Sit down with some people. You know, I got to confess. I have some really, really great friends that help me to process my pain. You cannot... Go through life without a close group of friends, people to help you process pain. That's why in our church we have what we call faith partners. Everybody needs one. And you don't just need one. You need a couple of them. Because you need people who you can sit down and talk with and say, here's what's going on in my life. Feeling. Help me manage it. Help me process it. Help me deal with it. And I'm very grateful because of these friendships. I've been able to work through pain in a very positive way. I've been able to receive objective advice to say, hey, don't go there. I've had people that I've not talked to in a while, in years, and they say, you need to call. And in fact, I'm going to hold you accountable. When are you going to call? In fact, I got to just share this with you. When I was doing this lesson in the conference last week. I realized that I had not talked to someone who was very influential in my early life as a minister in several years. And I had to unpack the reason why. And you want to know what the reason why was? I felt hurt. Because this person had pulled back in the relationship with me. And guess what I said? Well, I'm going to pull back too. and I'm going to withdraw from the relationship. So guess what I had to do this weekend before standing up here and delivering this message? I make a phone call. I had to make a phone call and say, "You know what? I'm sorry. and I want to re-engage in our relationship. In fact, I had to sit down and write a list of people. And the list may get longer, but I got a few people on that list that I got to make sure there's no subtle revenge going on or vengeance. Because I don't want to be clogged up like this. I want to process things. So we're going to watch a video now. I want you to pay cl- careful attention to this, this woman and her situation. It's an amazing story of someone who has true faith in Jesus and what it did. An extreme story. Let's watch. We end tonight with one of the most potent powers on earth. It can change lives in an instant. Everyone has it. It's the power to forgive. Watch it now in action in Steve Hartman's Assignment America.
1: Mm-hmm, thank you, Lord. In a small apartment building in North Minneapolis, thank a fifty-nine year old teacher's aide sings praise to God for no seemingly apparent reason. Indeed, if anyone was to have issues with the Lord, it would be Mary Johnson. For all you've done for me. He never had a chance. In February 1993, Mary's son, Loramian Bird was shot to death during an argument at a party. He was 20, and Mary's only child. My son was gone. The killer was a 16-year-old kid named O'Shea Israel. I wanted justice. He was an animal. He deserved to be caged. And he was. Tried as an adult and sentenced to 25 and a half years, O'Shea served 17 before being recently released. He now lives back in the old neighborhood, close to Mary. This close. He lives next door, next door. How a convicted murderer ended up living a door jam away from his victim's mother is a story, not of horrible misfortune, as you might expect, but of remarkable mercy. A few years ago, Mary asked if she could meet O'Shea here at Minnesota Stillwater State Prison. As a devout Christian, she felt compelled to see if there was some way, if somehow she could forgive Her son's killer. What'd she say to you? I believe the first thing she said was, Look, you don't know me, I don't know you, let's just start with right now. And I was befuddled myself. O'Shea says they met regularly after that. When he got out, she introduced him to her landlord, who, with Mary's blessing, invited O'Shea to move into the building. Today, they don't just live close, they are close. Clearly, Mary was able to forgive. Unforgiveness is like cancer. It will eat you from the inside out. It's not about that other person. Me forgiving him does not diminish what he's done. Yes, he murdered my son, but the forgiveness is for me. It's for me. For O'Shea, it hasn't been that easy. I haven't totally forgiven myself yet. I'm learning how to forgive myself, and I'm still going towards, you know, trying to forgive myself and what it is I've done. To that end, O'Shea is now busy proving himself to himself. He works at a recycling plant by day and goes to college by night. He says he's determined to pay back Mary's clemency by contributing to society. In fact, he's already working on it, singing the praises of God and forgiveness at prisons, churches, to large audiences everywhere. Forgiveness is a powerful thing, yes, which explains why Mary can sing her praise of thanks to her audience so good, of one. Steve Hartman, CBS yes, News, Minneapolis. All you've done.
0: This should be the norm, not the exception. And I believe one of the reasons why people don't see Christianity and following Jesus as attractive as they did in the first century is because they don't see this. They see judgment in the church. They see vengeance in the church in very subtle forms. And they see vengeance in our relationships. And they ask, where is Jesus? In this picture. I mean what an incredible extreme example if she can forgive if she can have a relationship with the assassin of her only son a single mom she had no other family relationship anybody else closer to her than him he and she, he was taken by this other young man but you know what she did she disinfected herself When you take on the evil of another person and exact vengeance, you basically are internalizing the hurt and cooperating in it, becoming a part of it. And it's in you. And Jesus came to say, listen, I want to disinfect you. I want to take that pain out. I want you not to be the participant. I don't want I want to purify you. I want to take the evil out of you all the way. But you've got to work with me. And how do we work with Jesus? Forgiving. And she didn't just say, I'm just going to forgive in my heart. And no, she went to the prison. She took initiative. She met the young man. Then she helped the young man rebuild his life. She may be the very reason why he came to faith. I mean, what a powerful example. Your forgiveness may help somebody come to faith. Your model example may change many people's lives. That's why this topic of vengeance is so huge. Because we live in a world that is full, promoted, executed vengeance. And we don't need to be a part of it as followers of Jesus. And, you know, I know people very close to me that are on the verge of of ruining their lives over vengeance. Vengeance. They're about to destroy the best thing that they have going in a divorce, a separation. It's sad. Simply because they can't let go. And they're holding on. So let's wrap this up in Romans chapter five, verse six. Before we take communion, and I would encourage you, if you've got stuff that, that you need to process and you need to get worked out, you know, the Bible says maybe you should hold back from taking communion until you work that out. Don't take it lightly. You see, at just the right time in verse 6, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? For if when we were still God's enemies, in other words, we were the offenders. We were the ones that that created the hurt in God's heart. When we were in that place, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? In other words, through His resurrection. Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Reconciliation should be a celebration. All the time. You need to walk out of here feeling, I have been reconciled, but I guarantee you, if you're not reconciled with somebody else, you're not going to celebrate because you've got something. You're not free. You've got baggage by the offender. And what they've caused in you. In your marriage, if you've got stuff going on in your marriage, guess what? You're not going to walk out of here, you know, later today we're having a wedding. You know, Luis and Christian, they're getting, they're getting married this afternoon. You know, when they, couples walk out and they get married, they walk down the aisle, it's celebratory. They're like, you know, everybody's cheering, there's rice being thrown, there's, you know, whatever, confetti. And it's a celebration, right? Why? Because they're free. They're beginning something incredible. A lot of married couples don't feel that anymore. You know why? Because they got vengeance going on. And Jesus is saying, I'll take you back there to that wedding reception. If you'll just let go of all the stuff and let me leave room for me to exact the vengeance in all of your relationships. You can have great families and relationships if we will manage pain the way God tells us to. So let's go to God in prayer for the communion. God, we thank you so much for the privilege that you've given us. To know your word, to hear your word. God, I personally ask you to please uh, forgive me for the times that I've taken vengeance into my own hands. I don't want to be that person. And I pray that you'll please help me and all of us to go a different direction. We are grateful for Jesus coming to die for us. Thank you for his body and his blood that was poured out for us. Because we were the, we were the ones, the offenders against you and against others. Thank you for forgiving us. Wash away even our sins of this past week. And please help us, God, to go the extra mile to be at peace with everyone. Forgive us. We lift up Jesus. We remember his death and resurrection at this time. And it's his name we pray. Amen.